Bienvenidos a los Amigos Flyers Podcast. I am your host. Pablo, Midwest Flyways Podcast. I am your host, Joey Vassell. I'm going to have to really tone it down here. We've also got Cal Nest right next to me, and we have a very special guest. I'm sure you already heard him. It's Pablo the Goose and Ron Henderson, a.k.a. Peeps the Goose on TikTok and whatever other social media. Oh, yeah. Say hi, Ron. Hi. How's it going? Ron Hendrickson. Ron Hendrickson. Oh, my In case the parole officer is watching you, want to make sure that (laughs) he knows where I am. I just want to start out by saying this podcast is sponsored by First Light. I don't know if you still wear hunting gear and all that, but we've been wearing First Light the last couple years. And let me tell you, wool uh, for like base layers and underlayers is an absolute game changer. I can't not wear wool anymore. I'm not cold like ever. When I get, you know, wet before the day starts. Then I'm still warm. Wet with excitement, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know it's going to be good, and you're like, oh, God. You don't want, you know. But yeah, it's seriously unbelievable. I don't know if you've had a chance to try any of their new stuff out, but oh, it's, sure, it's amazing. It. Yeah. Absolutely. All okay, right. Dude, introduce yourself here. Yeah. Tell us what is right next to you because it's blowing my mind. My name is Ron Hendrickson. This is Pablo. He is a cackler, the smallest of, you know, Canadian geese. There's 11 subspecies, but they say now that there's actually three of their own subspecies. He's a minima. There's a cack, you know, a cackler minima, and then an Aleutian Island one, mm-hmm. and I can't even remember the other name. But anyway, yeah. there, there's 11 different kinds of Canadian geese. He's the smallest. Well, anyway, he is like a gentleman. He thinks he's a human. <laughs> he he, I mean, he rides in the truck with me. And people can't believe it's real. We go get our oil changed, and they say, "Is that real?" And it's oh, like, like you bring him around town all the time. Yeah, yep, yep. Like he's so, your buddy. He, he he's one of our, <laughs> like he's my friend or my son's best friend. You know, that's yeah. amazing. It's so cool. How did you end up with Pablo? Okay, it started in 2020. Um, we we could go fa- uh, backwards a little bit. Anyway, I went to New Zealand hunting with my friend Travis Peener. Unbelievable hunter. Unbelievable hunter. Well, anyway, we were in New Zealand on um, Memorial Day in 2018. Travis guided all over the world. I mean, he did $90,000 sheep hunts. He guided for snow geese. He did everything. Anyway, February 24th, 2019, my birthday, he went in the ditch. A good Samaritan stopped. They hooked up a chain and tried to pull him out. The hitch broke. Flew through the window, hit him in the head, and killed him on my birthday. So then fast forward to 2019, Memorial Day, we made a pond in honor of him. It's called Travis Peener Pond. Well, anyway, so now fast forward to May 6, 2020. We find this little goose all by itself, you know. So what are you going to do? You can't go to the doctor. You can't, you, you can't leave your house because it's COVID, right? Well, anyway, so we raised this goose, right? Didn't even really want it. Well, anyway, then... Uh, I planted 250 big trees, you know, like the $70 kind. Yeah. Took the whole summer because I couldn't go to my job at Mall of America Dairy Queen. So let's do something good for the environment. So we planted trees. Well, that goose peeps the goose. He came with me and went to every tree and he became a human. Anyway, then one day I was driving the four-wheeler in uh, July and he was flying alongside me and I'm like, oh my God. So this is unreal. Yeah. So then we took him to the lake. And a lady was chasing me. She said, stop chasing that goose. And I said, he's following me. And she goes, I'm calling the police. And I said, he's my goose. He's following me. So anyway, she was in her big fancy $240,000 boat. And I said, you ready? And I floored it. And the goose flew right up and over her mouth. And her jaw dropped. And she's like, ah, you come back. And then they saw that the goose was with me. 
Anyway, so then he became a legend on the lake. Well, then Minnesota Bound had us on the TV show. They did like it. Raven, Minnesota Bound. Or, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's his yep, name? Ron Cherry. Yeah, Ron, yeah, Ron Cherry. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, he couldn't come to our house for COVID because he was older, you know. So they he stayed home, and then they had the cameraman and other people do the interviews, you know. Yeah. But because of COVID, they stayed home. So anyway. So they did Peeps the Goose, Goofy Goose. That's on YouTube if you ever want to see on Minnesota Bond. That was a pretty funny little show. Well, yeah. then we were on the news, uh, Channel 5 News. And then uh, a lady called me and said, we saw your story on the news. You have a boy goose named Peeps the Goose. We rescued a girl goose named Puddles. A hawk had a hold of her when she was a baby. Will you adopt her? So we said, yes, we would. Well, anyway, then we became kind of... Sort of big she time. She became an orphanage for geese. Yeah. 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 And the, it, a foster oh, trust home. Me, it, it, yeah. Later in life, it's like, <laughs> oh, my God. Every weirdo calls, and they're like, I have a hurt chicken, and he's blind. And and it's like, take it to Kentucky Fried Chicken. We can't help. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> anyway. So um, we adopted Puddles. Then yeah. we went to Canterbury Downs, and we practiced Peeps versus Puddles in the Goose Down Derby, and we were going to have a goose race. Well, then all of a sudden, uh, the Fish and Wildlife called and said, where did you get this goose? And I, and that's what I was going to go into. Totally. How are you legally allowed to have a goose? Because I know people have gotten in trouble for banding wild geese and then releasing them. Yep. So, like, do you need a special permit? Did you have to ask for permission? Like, So, this goose is bought from a game farm, and then we buy our Fish and Wildlife permits, you know, and then you can legally have the goose. Speaking of which, uh, 2021, I'm flying with Pablo. He, he rides on my shoulder, takes off, comes back, lands in my hands, or lands on the jet ski. Here comes two DNR guys, and at first they were kind of miserable. What are you doing to that goose? And right. I said, it's my goose. And he goes, how do you know that's your goose? And I said, well, he's, he's, he's sitting on my lap, see? And he goes, that's a good point. <laughs> Usually they don't admit any wrong, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. anyway, then uh, they th- I told them about our red-breasted goose from Siberia that we had taught, and then we had... Uh, Ross goose from the Arctic, you know, that we had trained and whatever. And yeah. then we have barnacle geese from uh, Iceland. They both had their notepads out and they took notes for 15 minutes. And when they were done, the guy said, to be honest, you were the most interesting person we pulled over. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, they came in with ready to write tickets and scream. And then they actually enjoyed it. And they see, like I said, I have all my fish and wildlife permits and it's, you know. What permit? What is the permit? Well, Legally, you go buy, I, you know, if if you go to a game farm, you go buy the geese, and you, they give you a receipt for sure. that. So if you were just taking them home and you're never going to breed them, you don't really need any other permits because that guy gave you the receipt. But if you're going to be a breeder, then you need a state game farm license and then a, a national fish and wildlife permit. So that one's 75 bucks, the other one's 16 bucks. Do but, you breed them? No, because okay. we just wanted a couple geese, you know, and now we might breed them because... Pablo gets pretty lonely. Yeah. I mean. Sure. Get some companionship going. We have a big full-size Canadian goose, or Canada goose. Her name's Lucy the Goosey. But I, I, I don't think Pablo can get the job done. So, <laughs> <laughs> And she don't care. She's you, too much woman for Pablo. Yeah. It's like. <laughs> so, I mean, did isn't, you, that, isn't that how they make lessers and whatever? It's like a bigger goose and a smaller goose, and they make a medium-sized goose. Essentially, I, I don't even know. You know what I mean? Like, they probably have to be the big goose. Probably have to big be the big goose being the male, and then the small goose being the female. Then, huh? I think so. Yeah, it's probably. 
Oh yeah. How did you how did you even know like when you first got the goose? I mean, how did you even know like what you had to do to be legal or any of that stuff? Did you have any like bad run-ins with the law where they were like frustrated with you or didn't know what to do? Okay. So back to Peace <clears throat> the Goose the, the the Fish and Wildlife said uh, you have to um stop you will let you keep the geese, but you uh, you can keep them in a three-sided shed, not a four-sided shed cuz that's considered captivity. They can't ride in the truck anymore. And they can't go to the lake anymore. Well, anyway, sure. I took a lady with stage four cancer flying. Her name's Jamie Zenner, very good friend of mine. She screamed, this is the best fucking day of my year. Slow down, we're going to die. And I said, you're going to die anyway, just have fun. You know, <laughs> which is, uh, I mean, it was a joke and she's my friend. But anyway, um, so in my mind, I had that, um, you know, oh my God, this is terrible. I feel so bad for her. Well, anyway. And then another lady that had stage four cancer lived on the lake and she would watch the goose out her window of her house. Well, anyway, her sister would tell me how she crawled to the window to watch that goose every day. And then she passed away. So you have that bad feel, you know, that sadness from thinking of that for years. Right. Yeah. Well, anyway, so my goose, we thought he was dead. Peeps the goose. He disappeared. We thought he was dead. He ended up flying away with some other geese, but he was trying to get in a, a guy's truck at 10 at night. And the guy's like, what are you doing? And he's trying to get in his truck. So they gave him to a rehab place. Well, then they told me, hey, we got your goose. And then the Fish and Wildlife found out and they said, no chance. They're not, not getting the goose. We had a petition go out, 40,000 signatures. And, and that's if we would have had hundreds of thousands, but most people didn't know how to do it. Yeah, Pablo's pumped up. About Let it. me finish the punchline, Pablo. <laughs> anyway. You need some. If you're not watching on YouTube, by the way, right now, you should go check it out because this guy literally has a a live goose in our studio right now, which I'm sure you can hear on the podcast. But if you want to see it, go to the YouTube. It's my girlfriend's not real, but the goose is. (laughs) (laughs) It's unbelievable. Jill, your girlfriend, Jill. Yeah. Have you ever known anything about the. uh, I don't know if you know about inflated dates, but if you put helium, helium in them. It's hard to get, you know, like, you know what I mean? They play hard to get. You know? Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway. Um, I love the chase. You know? Yes, yes. That's. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Dude. So the, fish wild, so the fish wildlife refused to give us the goose back. We had 40,000 signatures. We would add hundreds of thousands if people knew how to sign it, but old people didn't know how to do it. So anyway, we, um, I had an artist draw a picture of a goose giving both middle feathers to the guy, and it said, go pluck yourself. So I had that thought in my mind. Well, fast forward now. My wife said, just do it legal. Do whatever you got to do. You love doing that. So we went and bought Pablo. Then we have a Ross goose. They're from the Arctic. Most people know that. So he's trained. And then we have a red-breasted goose from Siberia. Then we have barnacle geese from Iceland. Well, anyway, um, now... What's so funny is you think of taking a, a couple people with cancer that enjoyed the uh, thing, and you fast forward now, and then we had the negative of saying, go pluck yourself to the uh, Fish and Wildlife. Really, it was not their fault. They're just following the law. So now we're going to try to start a nonprofit called Pluck Cancer, and the word pluck means to quickly remove. So we're going to maybe see if we could do that and do a goose race called Flight for the Cure where you would bet on your favorite goose, and then if Pablo would win, the money would go to, like, St. Jude's. If Lucy the Goosey wins, the money would go to Ronald McDonald House or something like that. Or we'll find local cancer patients right in our town, you know. And here's the thing. Like, we could send the video, say, you know, there could be a lady in Georgia or someone in Georgia that wants to do their own goose race, 
we could just send them a video and only we would know who won the race and then they could sure broadcast that little race and have people bet and and do their own pluck cancer right in there it's a really local cool town. idea and it's so crazy yeah, or even like, live streaming it you know you could live stream it and yep. then have people all over want to donate to it but Canterbury Downs now they kind of think we're crazy because our goose got taken away and now they don't let us come anymore you know but it would have been so cool it's goose racing has never been done in, in history you know what I'm saying yeah, yeah well you would do it at Canterbury Park yeah. Oh, I mean, I, I could do it out on the lake as well, you know, or out in our field. But we, when we go to the lake, we could just put up buoys, like start and finish. And you know what I mean? If yeah. Canterbury Downs, and that's the safest place for the geese too. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Well, if because, anybody's listening and they have a place that you could have a, a race, like a racetrack, like yep. the Canterbury situation, let us know. That's truly this is insane. Mind, this is mind blowing. Yeah. Um. Here, I have a question for you, Ron. What have you noticed that is like what are what are some big differences in behavior between the different goose like species you know like your barnacle geese versus pablo versus lucy like tell me some of the differences in behavior between those geese like our big canada goose yeah lucy the goosey yeah if she's not in the mood to fly we go to the lake and she'll just sit there and be like no i don't want to and she is the og you know what i mean like she runs the show so if she's way lazier she's way more low-key mellow and stuff but then you get like our little ross goose named frosty and when he flies oh my god i mean we're going 30 miles an hour and he'll catch the wind and flip upside down and he'll be 60 yards high and two seconds later he's two feet off the water on his back yeah and you almost you know you got to watch out so you don't run him over and then the barnacle goose. I mean, he he's the noisiest one. He he, he his name is Indy. He bellers and sc- screams. Pablo, he's more just he thinks I'm his dad, and he's got to fly inches away from me. And he doesn't like it when the other geese get next to me. Okay, so, so he's got some yeah. So that one goose does acrobatics in the air. The rock. Oh yeah. So does the barnacle goose. I mean, they flip totally upside down. It, 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 they all do that. I mean, it's yeah. there's there's some of that on the videos. Well, anyway, one time I had, how I learned this is one time I had to catch uh, our Ross goose because he got in with a flock of seagulls. (laughs) And we're like, no, that's, I'm your daddy, not them. So anyway, I was chasing him and I had to stand up and grab him out of the air without hurting him. And he only weighs, you know, two and a half, three pounds to try drive a jet ski, stand up and gently grab a goose out of the air without hurting him without, and you don't want to ruin their feathers because they'll look bad, you know? Yeah. So, oh my gosh. The well, they're very self-conscious about their image. So, yes. what uh, what average miles per hour do they fly on the lake? The thing is, our big Canadian geese, when we had peeps and puddles, when they went with the wind, we were going 65, 70 when they'd catch the wind. These guys, the most I've ever seen them go is 55. Yeah. Holy that's still cow. pretty fast, man. That's crazy. Yeah. But they, they, they like a speed of like 25. You know, that's comfortable. Yep. But, oh, I mean, you can't believe how cool it is you'll have geese on every side of you and you can hear, you know, their wings. And if you want to touch them, you can touch them. Yeah. But anyway, um, w- w- when they all start barrel <laughs> rolling, I mean, you should hear, it just sounds like somebody opened a door or something. They just when they yeah. open their wings and flip upside down and stuff. Well, that's like my favorite thing when you're, when you're bird hunting, um, when they start flipping maple leafing, I can't yeah. remember all the other terms, yeah. but that is like my favorite thing to watch. And I was just hunting in Nebraska and uh, we had one group of mallards do it before sunset, and 
I had a couple of clients with me, and they're not big duck hunters, right? Like, they don't yep. see hundreds of mallards dropping in on you at one time. And uh, and I could tell, like, we were getting lunch lined, and that's where they just keep flying, flying, flying. You know, they don't even look at your spread. And then this one flock of, like, four or 500 decided to come in and do it. And the first, like, 180 gave it up without any hesitation. And they dropped from probably 200 yards down to 30, just like that. And I remember saying to the guy right next to me, I was like, get ready, just listen to their wings. And it was just, like you said, like a door opened, yeah. in, like you're driving 60 down the highway. And it just blew my mind, blew his mind. And I've seen it a thousand times, you know, but I just, yeah. it never gets old. No, and so you're experiencing that all the time and on prior leg with and, the jet ski. And you can't believe all their different vocals. Like when they're flying, a hundred yards away, they'll see a monarch butterfly, and, and he'll go like this. They talk in all these different tones, but that means predator. And all of a sudden, you and they'll puff up while they're flying, and you see like on their neck everything. They want to look as big as they can to an eagle, but they realize, oh, that was a, a butterfly. But that's how good of eyes they have. They're always looking above them. I, I, they don't care if they're going sixty miles an hour; they're looking above them all the time. Interesting. Yeah, totally interesting. Here's something off the subject of this. One thing I learned, I used to hunt all over the world, right? But up in Saskatchewan, duck hunting. I learned if you have a small enough pond, you know, half acre or less, everybody wants to put their decoys out on the upwind side, right? Yeah. And then they sit there on the upwind side. I learned something that works way better. On small enough ponds, you go sit on the downwind side. You can put your decoys in the calm water. You sit on that downwind side let them come back past you a little bit and you shoot and they open their wings. So you shoot and they're five yards past you, right? They open their wings. Now they're right above your head. And then you're, you know what I'm saying? In a stiff, stiff wind, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. But it, it's unbelievable how you, they flare and in going it, into and the And they're wind. coming to you yeah. instead of you shooting. And then all of a sudden they're 30 yards farther away. You get one shot I, and you're done. Yep. I yeah. let them go pat on a small enough pond on them windy days. I would sit downwind, you know, on the downwind side of that, let them go past me, shoot. They open their wings. Boom. You shoot again here. And then the second shot, now they're 20 yards farther away. But yeah. the thing is, if you want to shoot green heads and not just shoot a whole bunch of ducks, I sit there and just only shoot green heads and that worked the best, best, you know? Well, I was I saw a video that you posted on TikTok and I was like, dude, I gotta I gotta message this guy and I go through I click on your page and I click message and you had already sent me a message like I should come on your podcast and tell these stories and I was like I didn't know since you have pet geese, I just figured you were a huge animal lover, right? And not to say that you're not, but I just pictured there's no way this guy's a hunter. He has pet geese and I shoot geese. You know, oh, I don't yeah. know if he would even come on my podcast, you right, know, so right. I was excited to see you say that. And then you tell me that you're a huge hunter your entire life. So why don't you kind of go into really quick before you do Ron? this podcast is also brought to you by RW Coolidge. And I don't know if you have hunted in a while or not, but we have these new duck straps that we've been we've been testing the weight on them. So we have these leather straps. So we've got customized with our name on them, whatever. Yep. And they hold 10 birds. So next year we have this thing we're going to try, which Ben has got me going on, where he thinks that we should put like three to five geese in each strap if we have a really good day and then just hang it from like a poles all and see, improve like how much weight they can actually hold because they're just insane. But okay. Anyway, Ron, go ahead. Get into it a little bit. <clears throat> 
Thank you. Um, we had a little wiener dog. I mean, he was like a crazy, vicious killer of a dog. Right. Well, anyway, we had a pond on one side of our house and then the lake. So anyway, some geese were sitting in that pond, and I had my neighbor just come walk over and uh, just kind of go in our elk pen. Well, the geese got up and flew over my head, so I shot three of them. Well, anyway, the little wiener dog swam out there, <laughs> and he, he would retrieve. So he bites the heck out of the goose. Well, the goose came back, woke up, swam away. This is in December. So anyway, the bay where you put your our boat in, we lived on a lake, and that was uh, about 50 to 100 yards of ice. I had to go chop ice to um, put the boat in and go get my wiener dog because the goose swam away with my dog, and that happened two different times. <laughs> no but way. He, oh, he would not. He, he, his name was George, and he would not ever give up. He was crazy, crazy. Yeah. So anyway. Um, you had to get your dog from the goose. Yep, because he swam away. <laughs> anyway, up in Saskatchewan, I drove, uh, drove like 13 hours to get <laughs> – I drove 13 hours and I got to Saskatchewan. I was all excited. And he said, all we have time for is just a back shoot cranes going back to the roost. Right. Yeah. So I said, okay. So we only got, you know, 15 minutes to hunt. So we were, here comes a flock of cranes and I shot one, shot the second one. And when I pulled the trigger on the third one, the first one hit me in the face and my Benelli pistol whipped me, knocked me unconscious. I woke up and it was pitch black and I thought I was in a car accident because, you know, that's all I remember. It was driving so far. So here's this headlamp looking down on me. The light's moving around. And I said, sir, sir, I'm over here. And I said, uh, was I in a car accident? And he said, no, you got your ass kicked by a bird. And I'm like, what? And he was explaining that a sandhill crane had knocked me unconscious. Well, anyway, then uh, I had feathers so far up in my nose that they had to take a tweezer and get them out. Then I had a black eye and I fell into a rock pile and bruised my back and my ribs. So anyway, that... <laughs> Uh, you just can't imagine the, the weird luck I have. One time when we were pheasant hunting, um, you know, you want to be the, 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 we were with this real rich kid, you know, he was in the front seat and you know how you road hunt. Now I don't even road hunt nothing like that, you know? Mm. But anyway, uh, I wanted to be the first one to jump out cause there was a lot of roosters in the ditch. Mm -hmm. So I jumped out Well, my dog jumped and landed on my back, knocking me down. My dad ran me over with the car, my legs. And I was screaming, you ran me over, you ran me over. And the other kid, he screams and says, you ran him over. And he goes, I didn't fucking run you over. Why aren't you shooting? Oh my! <laughs> That's how serious my dad took it. You know? Damn, just broke his son's leg. Yeah. yeah. Did you have a broken leg? No, just bruised really bad because it was a gravel road, thank God. If it would have been tar, I think I'd have been really, really screwed. But anyway. Right. Uh, Oh Dude, God. when he stretches his wings, he must just know like how close he's gonna get to your oh, face. Oh yeah, he hits me sometimes, and it's unreal because every time he does it, I feel this massive like wind flow come through here. Yeah, damn. Anyway, so one one thing that you were talking about with me on the phone, you started talking about it again that I told you to save for the podcast. You're so full of stories. Oh, that was my medication, wasn't it? Because you didn't want me to be crazy. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, swallow those pills. Thank you. Um, no, you were talking about how all of these call makers are making male goose calls. Well, not, not, not all of them. The best goose calls on the market, I truly believe, from riding in the car with our different, you know, because we had peeps, he was a male. Um, the best goose calls on the market, the expensive ones, they are female vocal Canada geese. And that's good or bad? No, I'm just saying, I, I, 
what well, it does. That's what they are. That's what it is. And yeah. then goose flutes are males. They are duplicating male Canada geese. I mean, it, like when you ride in the car with them enough <laughs> over the course of the last four years, you'll learn that, you know. So the male goose is deeper and more longer and drawn out, maybe. I, sure. Yep. And I, you I, can tell a difference. Oh, I, 100%. Interesting. What do you, so since you goose hunted so long, or you've been a hunter for so long. All I was capable of using was a goose flute. You know, I never was good at the other kind of goose calls. And that's how I know a goose flute by heart, you know. But then my friends would have the more expensive, you know, where they turn over faster kind of. Yeah. And that is a female. Yep. So what do you think works better for tricking a goose? I truly believe them better calls do, you know. The better, the The, the the females? The female, I think. Yeah. Because I grew up blowing a goose flute, a Tim Grounds uh, guide flute, and I had no problem killing geese. And I don't know if it's just the, as the times go on, you know, geese are getting harder and harder to kill, or if it's the technology that we're using. Now everyone's using a short reed versus a, a flute, and now they're getting used to hearing a short reed. I don't know. What do you think? I It's so tough to know. You know what I mean? Uh, another thing... Off the subject of Canada geese, another thing that worked really well up in Saskatchewan on snow geese, sometimes we'd have our spread, and we learned those geese, you know, I got to go up there, I mean, three weeks straight, you know, stayed with my friend, got to have so much fun. Well, anyway, those snow geese would come. They'd get 20 yards off the field, five, 600 yards away from our decoys, and they're only 20 yards high, and then all of a sudden they just split when they get to the decoys. So I said, let's trick them. So... We went and sat 600 yards away downwind of our decoys on a fence line. <coughs> and those geese would come, and they're coming in 20 yards high, and we'd shoot them before they ever figured out that they were fake decoys. So, so sometimes when they are so sharp like that and they seem spooky, that's just another little thing that worked really, just really adapt. good. Yep. And that thing is we got to do whatever we wanted. You know what sure. I mean? Like, So we tried everything, and that was one thing that a lot of people don't think of, but, I mean, it worked. Well, it just seems so risky. You oh, know, because you, you have, yep. how many times have you been hunting where it's like, oh, those two flocks did the same thing. Should we go and change the decoys? Should we switch up? Should we take away the, the spinning wing decoys? Should we do this and that? And I always tell people, just wait, those aren't our birds, you know, yep. versus going out there. And every time a bird doesn't work well, you go out there and you change it. And then you get caught with your dick in your hand while you're trying to change the spread or anything. And it's like, no, let's calm down. Do you feel like it's better to just like it's so risky to oh it's scary. go six hundred yards down yep because then they land decoys they man. land in your decoys but that's the thing it's like sometimes changing it up really really helps and you you are taking a risk where they might land right in your decoys and you're screwed yeah, and that's just trial and error yep. type of deal yeah, you just I'm, done it so much where you're like yeah but the thing fuck is, it we've never gone six hundred yards down from the spread let's right, try that yep and see. Snow geese, you never. There's no right answer. You don't know what's going to happen. You. Yeah, Thank you know you. that's the, that the was worst. Just, anyway, we were sitting there minding our own business, hunting snow geese. Well, then here comes this game warden. He drives right out into the field, and he's like, "Where's your license?" Well, I had switched coats because it had snowed the day before, so my license was in my white coat, and now the snow melted. So anyway, I told him it's in the truck, and he's like, "That's unacceptable. It needs to be on you." Well, I said, "I'm sorry." So we went to the truck to go get it. Well, he goes, what are them? And I said, those are buffle heads. You can't shoot them. And I said, yes, we can. And I said, they're called buffle heads. And he got out a book and he says, they're protected. And I said, they're buffle heads. You can shoot them. And then he had a picture and he said, it's this. I said, that's a shmew. They're from Siberia. 
it's not that. So anyway, after we went, I explained to him that we could legally shoot the uh, buffalo heads. Buffalo heads, sorry. Anyway, we get back to the our spread. Yeah. And I had some guys that were from North Dakota, and the guy, the guy was a doctor, and he was real rich and cocky. And he goes, can we shoot those? And the game warden goes, well, legally you could, but safety-wise, I really, boom, 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 and the goose almost went right through the guy's windshield. He got in the truck. He's like, you guys, hunt carefully. We'll see you later. It's like, good. That got him out of here. Oh, my goodness. So did you guide clients, too? No, you're not allowed to guide, but I just kind of, you know, they came sure, with yeah, his friends, yeah, yeah. you know just what I mean? hanging out. Yeah. But yeah, we have, uh, we got a lot of weird ones. Um, I got a pintail mallard cross. And then uh, Gadwall, Mallard Cross, yeah. and then on Kodiak Island. That's a whole different. Can we change subjects to other places? You can do whatever oh, yeah. you want. You okay. can do whatever you want, man. Okay, so I went to Kodiak Island duck hunting years and years ago, right? Shot black scoters and this, you know, old squaws, all that sea kind ducks. of stuff. Yep, but I never got my eider. Anyway, so then I went back and uh, got some of, some more of my ducks. Well, anyway, then... Uh, Still didn't get what I wanted. So I went back the third time. Well, anyway, I shot my two uh, common eiders. We were so excited. Well, then here was a helicopter, the, the Coast Guard helicopter. And there's divers jumping out right by me, you know. And I was like, but it was 50-mile-an-hour wind and it's 17 degrees. You know, I mean, Yikes. you can't hear anything, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, I didn't know what was going on. Well, anyway, then a jet had taken off and the luggage door opened and crashed and killed all the people right by me. Oh. So they were Holy pulling cow. dead people out of the water on that was January 6, 2007. So Oh my god. I went from being so excited to just anyway, Morbid. so I even said to my guide, which I mean, I I went Kodiak bear hunting three times with him and this was my third duck hunt, so I knew him really well. Paul Shervenak from Kodiak Outdoor Adventures. I said, "Are they training?" and he said, "Yep, they're training." Well, then I said, "Really?" and he's like, "Yep." We turned on the radio. The pilot was his best friend. That, so then it just ruined the whole trip. But anyway, uh, then we went to the other side of the island. And we, the, the guy who died was one of his best friends. Yeah, so <sighs> it just ruined the whole trip, you know what I mean? Like, I was so excited uh, that I had got a king eider and I got two uh, common eiders. Yeah. Well, anyway, then uh, we went to the other side of the island. And, yeah. And I hunted with Dave Pingree. He, was, he, he owns another outfitter for Kodiak bears and stuff. Well, anyway... I was with his daughter, and I said, there's like 2,000 ducks circling. I said, they told me, watch out for a uh, Eurasian widget. Well, anyway, I told the daughter, that was a cross. And she goes, what? I said, it was a hybrid, a cross. She goes, which one? And how do you know? I said, I raised ducks since I was a little kid. I know. So I watched, and I told her, we're not going to shoot for 40, or until we ever see that uh, Duck. Cross again. Well, anyway, he fl they flew around 25 minutes or so, and it came flying by, and I shot and dropped him. Well, it was right in the sun. I'm like, oh, my God, I hope that wasn't the hen. So then I shot, and I got the dang hen the next shot. But anyway, when they came and picked it up, she said, for God's sakes, he told me 25 minutes before he ever shot that thing what it was. And they're like, oh, he's got good eyes. And that's the thing. I have a big mouth and good eyes. <laughs> <laughs> my God. So anyway. Um, you know, when you and I were talking on the phone, I asked you if there's anything I can get you to drink or whatever, because this podcast is brought to you by uh, Outlaw Beer. And mm. what did you remember what you told me? I was Hall of Fame, and they made me retire. <laughs> <laughs> Hall of Fame of drinking. <laughs> First ballot. <laughs> so they made him retire. When I was Ugh. little, when I was little, we had another wiener dog that loved to hunt, too. <laughs> anyway, I went to a bachelor party, and then they gave they they knew I never really drank, so they got me loaded. 
But anyway, I came home and I woke up and I was sleeping outside in April on the cement in Minnesota. That isn't good. So then I went in the house and then I woke up and I'm like, oh my God, I had puked everywhere. So I threw my sheets and my bedspread out the window and I woke up and I was freezing and I was trying to shut the window. I was like, why is the window open? Yeah. Well, I couldn't shut the window because the bedspread was hanging out there and I kept, and that thing, you know, came unhooked. Yeah. So yeah, I was cranking crank. for like five minutes and then I was like, oh dear God. <laughs> so then I realized that that wasn't good. So I went and threw all that stuff in the washing machine and then I yeah. went and got some covers. And so then in the morning, my mom and dad said, why were you washing your uh, sheets? And, you know, and they love the wiener dog more than anything in the world. Right. And I said, oh, he peed in my bed. And she said, he did? Oh, and then she's talking all nice to the poor dog, you know. Anyway, she went down there, and I broke the washing machine because I put so many things in there. And then she pulled it out, and there's spaghetti all over. And she says, he didn't pee in the bed. He had actually pukes. We got to take him to the vet. So they took oh. him to the vet. Oh, no. And we owned the Dairy Queen at Apple Valley Dairy Queen. So I went to work. And then she got there, and she said, the vet in Faribault says that there's nothing wrong with the dog, and they loved him so much, so she took him to another vet in Apple Valley for a second opinion. <laughs> um, Ron, I wanted to ask you, you know, you said you've hunted different places. Where's where's your favorite place that you've hunted ducks and geese? Saskatchewan, you know, is that, that's so easy, and it's a thrill. You know, we, we hunted up on Last Mountain Lake. You know, out in some fields. Yeah. But that since got more populated, you know, and there's more hunters that went there. But yeah. it was like you owned everything. Yeah. That was so, so amazing. Uh, and the thing is, if you ever wound birds, you don't have to worry because the eagles come get them, you know, as fast as the goose mm-hmm. leaves your spread yeah. and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, before you can even get to the goose, it's gone anyway. But Kodiak Island is unbelievable. Like the third time I finally got a surf scoter. Yeah. We were three miles away from shore. I was high-fiving the guide, so excited, finally. And then here come a bald eagle out of nowhere, and he picks it up, and I'm like three miles from short, but they just follow you, you know, and pick up your ducks. And the one day you can only shoot seven birds. I shot seven barrels golden eyes. I never even got to see one of them. The eagles picked him up as fast as I could shoot him. Oh, my God. And then he comes, and he's like, what'd you get? And I said, seven barrels golden eyes. And he goes, eagles get them? And I'm like, yep. And that's what I was so afraid of when yeah. I got the cross. It was a, a American Eurasian widgeon cross. And I was like, oh, my God, they don't come pick them up for every half hour, you know, till every half hour. Yeah, yeah. And I thought an eagle's going to come get that duck, but thank wow. God they did That's crazy. Holy shit. Yeah, we were just uh, hunting on a river, and uh, we shot into a flock of, like, 50, and it was incredible. I shot two greenheads, and my buddy shot two hens, and I'm giving them shit. I'm like, bud, why are you shooting hens? And, like, it was too far for the dog to get them, and so we were waiting for the boat to go grab them. And you see three eagles circling around. I was like, have you ever seen an eagle pick up a duck? He goes, no. Why? And what? 20 seconds after that? Not even. An eagle just swoops down, grabs a hen, and starts picking it up. And then the other two eagles are fighting over it in the air. And it was incredible. It was so cool. It's crazy as hell, man. So talented. Yeah, Joey had, Joey, and I know you've told the story on the pod, but Joey had shot uh, Mallard with another buddy of ours at one point, and it was sitting up on an ice shelf. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. So I'm in Nebraska, and Mm -hmm. I fell in the water that day. So I went in over my waders. I see my buddy from, like, me to the camera here standing in ankle-deep water, and I'm in my boat. It's negative 11. It's cold as shit. And I'm like, uh, you have a gun box and you have the gunwale. Yep. And my foot got stuck in between them. And I'm like, 
starting to fall, and I look, and I'm like, oh, I'll just put my foot down, you know? My right foot slid in, and I'll just stick my left foot over the boat. Turns out there's a little four-foot deep spot mm. right there. So my leg is stuck in the boat, and I'm in a four-foot hole, and I just get water all the way down my left side, <laughs> down the back of my waders, and I'm like, abort, abort, emergency, you know? And I instantly get naked because it's like negative 11. I was... Mm freaking out so i take a panel blind and i put it around me on a sandbar get completely naked wring out all my clothes put heaters on me and then i'm like we're an hour and a half from the launch Mm. i'm like we're out of town you know i've never hunted this area before i'm like i'm not gonna miss out because i got wet so i was able to stay out there all day somehow Mm -hmm. and uh it was a really slow day two ducks come up the channel and i'm like these are my birds i'm not gonna tell them about it i shoot Kill a green head, and my buddy's like, I shot two. I'm like, bullshit. We must have shot at the exact same time, right? Excuse me. So, and it goes up on this ice shelf, and we're on a river. And so, river, it's moving water, and I don't know the area. And this area, the sand erodes like crazy, is what I was told when I went to go and hunt it. They're like, don't trust anything like it's an instant drop off don't walk in the water i'm like okay so then we send the dog the dog is super old and he's like no no no, come back so this duck is sitting on the ice for like an hour and a half and we're all just like looking at it whatever a couple hundred yards away it's like 100 yards 150 yards away and i'm like i'm cold i'm freezing i'm gonna go get this duck so i'm walking super carefully through the water and i'm trying to get up on the ice and it's breaking and i don't know the 50 yards on the ice if I'm going to fall through or not. So I'm just taking it really slow. So I'm just staring at the ice, looking down. And apparently as I'm going to get this duck, a hawk is eating the duck. Mm. And I go up and I'm, I look up and I see the duck and I see a band sticking out on the duck. And I'm Mm. like, Oh my God, grab the bird, super pumped. And they're like, it doesn't really have a band. I'm like, yeah, they're like a hawk was trying to drag it. Mm. It was trying to take it away. And it ate half the breast you know, breast down, crazy as shit. So I'm holding up this bird, and all the breast is gone yeah. on the backside. And it was only on the bird for like two, three minutes. I couldn't believe how much meat it ate yeah. in that short of amount of time. Do you is know seagulls will do that? Like up in Saskatchewan, we shot them and then let them blow across a bay because, you know, like just they ain't going anywhere. It was like 300 yards, but the seagulls would eat the seagulls would eat all the breasts right out of our geese. A whole bunch of them. They just go down and ruin all your geese. What? Yep, I would never seagulls. know. Yep, seagulls. Do there are their beaks like pointed at the end or something? Oh, they kill mallards all the time. There's videos that they kill ducks. They're terrible. In uh, New Zealand, we could shoot seagulls, great big ones. You could legally shoot them because they peck the eyes out of the lambs. They eat they kill all the little sheep eating their eyes out. So anyway, it felt so weird them only the big seagulls, not the little ones. But I mean, we could sit there in a field and then just sit there and shoot them and shoot them and shoot them, and it felt so weird to. No limit. No, and the thing is, uh, <clears throat> what's so weird is in New Zealand you didn't need a big game license. I shot twelve animals. You don't need a license, but then you needed a duck license, which was so crazy. Right, but that's crazy. We went to the fish and game, and she said, <laughs> "Did you have any luck?" And I was so scared to tell her because I thought this can't be right. <laughs> And I'm like, uh, I got 12. And she goes, oh, cheers. Cheers, mate. Yep. I was like, 
Okay. And how about, uh, are we allowed to tell about saving a sandhill crane? Of course. So me and my ex-girlfriend, we had an elk farm. So our elk truck is beat to crap, right? I mean, terrible. There's hole, There's holes everywhere. What, they would just attack your truck? Well, when the elk? It, oh, we had 375. I've had them put their antlers through the radiator, through the windshield, everything. I've seen. I've been running two bulls in the shed at a time, and then the other one, you, you can only do one hard antler bull at a time. We learned that. Do you still have elk right now? No, we had the number. Okay, okay. We had the number one elk in the world. He <clears> scored five hundred eighty-seven inches. Holy shit! If you want to hear a funny story about drawing semen? I can tell you that. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, I do. <laughs> okay, so uh, the heck with the sandhill crane. We'll go to the semen. <laughs> Pablo, let me. Pablo, finish. Pablo loves, loves this story. story. <laughs> okay, so, um, my friend Travis that that passed away. He came and was going to help us draw semen. So our vet is from South Africa, so he has the thickest accent, right? Yeah. Well, anyway, so here we are, and we bring our elk into this hydraulic squeeze, and then it squeezes the elk gently, picks them up, right? It's set on 1,500 pounds of pressure if they try to push away from it. So anyway, he says, Travis, you'll grab his red rocket, tie the cloth around it. Ronnie, you stick the dildo up his anus. You make sure you've got the probe in the appropriate spot. I will catch the semen, if not Travis. And he says, I will let you know. I will be adjusting the probe. So anyway, <laughs> Travis, I mean, we were laughing so hard. And my dad, you know, the squeeze thing is so loud because it's hydraulic. My dad's like, what is he saying? We were laughing so hard. We're like, just who cares? So my dad's running the control because these elk can flip upside down. He's 587 inches, 26 He's a big point. boy. Yeah, 34-inch third tines. I mean, he's unreal. And he's worth a lot of money. You, you want to be careful. Well, anyway, so then tra tra he, he, he's like, Travis, what are you afraid of? And he's like, getting kicked in the face kind of, you know? And he's like, there's nothing to be afraid of. So anyway, then the elk, I mean, it's total chaos. He's like, Ronnie, adjust the probe. And I mean, I have my arm up the poor elk's butt up to my shoulders, and it's jumping, and I'm, I'm scared to death he's going to kick me in the face. Yeah. So anyway, he's like, Travis, when the semen comes, you must get the, you must pull out fast. Pull the cup away because if the urine comes, it will kill all of our specimen. And it's like, please stop talking. This is so weird. So the elk started flopping around, and he goes, have you never grabbed a penis before? And Travis was like, not somebody else's. No, I have not. So anyway, that, that, but that's what we had to do to do that. So, so the bull sold oh two. The, the bull sold two million dollars in semen, right? That's how big time it was, right? Seriously. So anyway, why are you coming on our podcast? Because I spent all that. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Mike Tyson used it all up. <clears throat> well, anyway, so um, so okay, so I traded for a fifty thousand dollar truck back in the day for sixty straws of semen, and and we can get up to one hundred twenty straws of semen. From one time, if you do it right. But if urine comes, it does kill, and it's oh, it's so stressful and so scary. Yeah. But anyway, so I traded. We were at Benny Hanna's in in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Trading sperm. No, no, no. It, it almost sounded like that. But anyway. <laughs> I was waiting for that. My sister said, how did you get that truck? And I said, I traded semen for it. Well, the valet driver was just getting out of the car, and he goes, she goes, Dad, I want money from your semen. And the guy goes, what? And my mom's like, no, my son, he sells, he, he sells the semen. And the guy's like, what? What the and, fuck? And, and, and she goes, or the guy goes, why? And she goes, from our elk in, in Florida, 
they don't know what an elk is. They're like, what is an elk? And my mom says, well, it's like Santa's reindeer. And he's like, no offense, but why are you jerking off Santa's reindeer? It was the most awkward dinner we've ever been to. So. No shit. Dude, Pablo, every time you tell a punchline, he wants to be in on it. Oh, yeah. Especially oh, if you start laughing and smiling, <laughs> then he gets all pumped up, dude. Pablo's favorite song is Party in the USA by Miley Cyrus. It's so weird. Like, he just goes crazy to that. Are really? you serious? Honest to God, yeah. So if I play it right now, he's going to go nuts? Yeah, see what he does. <laughs> I'm going to play it for sure. <laughs> Turn it up a little if you can. It's a party in the USA, Pablo. It's Hannah Montana. You got Yeah, I can't imagine what the chorus does. Do yeah. <laughs> now if it's in rhythm, yeah. my mind would be blown. <laughs> Holy shit. Now how many times have you played that in front of him and why? Were you playing Miley Cyrus so many times in front of the goose to where you knew that was his favorite song? It, what do you have going on at home, Ron? What it, you got going on in that garage? <laughs> <laughs> no, anyway, uh, it just came on, the, you know what I mean, like on uh, my library. Sure, sure. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I can buy myself Ron. flowers, bitch. Shut up. <laughs> leave me alone. <laughs> I do love that song. There you, go. you can move your mic, too, if you want. Whatever you need to do. So you How get that. Just so you're comfortable, you know, dude, that's that unbelievable. Ridiculously um, okay. Funny. Really quick before we get back into it. Uh, another sponsor of this podcast is Onyx. Have you seen and used Onyx yep. hunt? Okay. Yeah. And I'm sure you know then how unbelievable it is for being able to just figure out who owns private land, understanding where boundaries are for public land if you're hunting. Um, and with that, I want to know, since you've been so many places and you've been in these remote locations, can you tell us, like, the craziest hunting story you've got or the sketchiest hunting story you've got? Okay. I hunted <laughs> doll sheep in Northwest Territories. Yeah. The plane started on fire, so we made an emergency landing out in the lake. And then the poor cook, we had picked her up. And she was so scared, she was crying, and she was going to jump in the lake. And Stan Stevens... The owner, he said, if you jump in the water, you're dead for sure because it's September and the, the lake's going to freeze. Yeah. He said, if you, he put the fire out with compressed air and some baking soda and some flour, so and then we're going to take off. Oh. And, and there's no hospitals around there, you know? So anyway, he goes, if you jump in, you're 100% going to die. If we fly home, we got a 50-50 chance that we don't hit the mountain. What do you want to do? And she's like, I want to just jump in. But it, thank God she stayed and we made it. Well, anyway... Shot a really, really nice sheep, got really lucky. Well, anyway, we were flying in the wheel plane. Yeah. And then I said, there's some rams up here. And he said, they're ewes. And I said, they're, they're rams. And then I, I kept, like, popping my ears, blowing my nose, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I said, why can't I hear the plane? And he goes, because it ain't fucking running. And I'm like, what? And he goes, it's stalled. And I'm like, oh, my God. He goes, look for a soft spot to land. I'm like, 
<laughs> it's rocks. But anyway, side of the mountain, we landed. I'm like, oh, please, God. This is too good to be true. You get your sheep, and now you're going to just die. Nobody's even going to get to see it. And But at least you died doing what you love. Well, anyway, thank God he did some flaps and all that kind of stuff. And we took off off the side of the mountain, and then just that fall, he started the plane, and we Reignited flew Reignited the prop. Oh Holy cow, dude. But that was just that kind of stuff. In Alberta, shot a deer, ran up to go get it. And uh, I used to get $250 for the life-size hides from Cabela's. Yeah. Well, I was going to sh- dispatch Cal, the- this story is fucking nuts. I walk up to the deer, and I was going to just put it on his shoulder, you know, t- point blank, and shoot him. But then I thought, what if I blow a big hole in the poor thing and ruin his hide? Well, right when I went, I took the gun, put it off safety. He could use his front legs because I shot him running away, you know, and spined him in the tail. Yeah. Well, anyway, he um, jumped up, hit me in the face, made With me With his bleed. antlers? Yeah, oh, the whole body, face, <laughs> face to face. And then I had a 270 and then a $950 Leica scope on there. And he has the gun on his antlers. And I was like, oh, my God, the gun's off safety. And he'd get up and he'd run 10 yards and then do a somersault, you know, because he could use his front legs. And I was like, oh, my God, he's going to freaking shoot me. Well, <laughs> it, it was this kind of weather where the ground was unthawing and yeah. it was a plowed field. So he's just ramming mud down there. And I'm like, God, when that gun goes, does go off, <laughs> it's, it's going to blow, blow a barrel. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, the thing's flopping and crazy and blah, blah, blah. So it's terrible. So I never paid attention to what the guide's truck looked like. So I run to the road, and now we're, out, we're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Here comes this truck, and I run up to it, and the guy says, did you get him? And I'm like, who is this? And I said, get what? And he goes, oh, there was a monstered buck. And I said, I don't even have a gun. Well, anyway, he looked out there, and here's the deer from 500 yards off the road. Yeah. And my gun is in his antlers. He goes, bro, that thing is so non-typical. Oh, my God. No, that's actually a 270. You know what I mean? So anyway, I, I said, my dad shot it. You're scaring him. Will you please leave? And he just drove away. And I, but then before he left, he, he says, my buddy's in that little shed right there. I'm like, oh, my God, that's not good. He's, he, <laughs> it's really not good. He, yeah. He, he watched the whole thing. Yeah. So can you imagine when he goes back and tells people, I saw I the idiot shoot. shoot this fucking thing in the spine, and then he yeah. went up to it, and now the deer's are running around. So, so anyway, that guy left. Here comes the guy. <coughs> and my dad's with him. And uh, anyway, did you get one? And I said, yes, he has my gun. And they said, don't goof around. Did you see him? Did you hit him? I said, I, he has my gun. And they, they said, don't screw around. You're a funny guy. Don't screw around. I said, honest to God. So I show him. He looks with binoculars. We drove out there, and my dad could not shoot him with the 300 Magnum because he's going to hit my rifle, and it's covering up all his vitals. So it was the worst ordeal, and finally, 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 we got to shoot him. So anyway, my dad said to me, do not tell anyone that you are my kid. <laughs> <laughs> Please tell me when you got up to this thing, you took a picture of it dead with your we, rifle on We it. didn't have phones. You know, back then you didn't have a phone, a, a smartphone, and you didn't yeah. have a camera. And I mean, I was so ashamed. I was so embarrassed. And then my dad's like, what the hell happened to your face? I'm like, the deer hit me in the face. But thank God I didn't have oh any. Oh, my No gosh. broken, crazy That's like one of my biggest fears is you, you shoot an animal. Because I've never shot a big game animal. And so my biggest fear is I go up to it. You know, you shoot it, and a lot of times it'll just go to sleep. Just like your story where you go up to it and you, like, touch it and just oh, right into you. Because, yeah. I mean, those 
they have so much pounds per square inch. Oh, they're so powerful. They're so powerful, and that antler will just go right through you. Yeah. I, I, Scares I, me, honestly. The thing is, I had to, over the course of, you know, 18 or 20 years, we handled thousands of elks. I mean, we probably sold four or 5,000 of them. One day I was chasing. I, I, we went to a farm, and we bought this big bull, and the guy grabbed me by the arm, and he said, his name is Larry. He will kill you. And I grabbed him by the arm and I said, we have thousands or hundreds of elk. We're the best there is at this. I'll be just fine. And he grabbed my arm again and he said, he will kill you. We <laughs> took him home, backed him up. You know, we backed the trailer up, opened the door, and the trailer's against the post. There's no room, just a little bit of room. He ran into an open field and he came running back and jumps between there and he's stuck. Like, why didn't you go out in an open 30-acre pasture? Instead, he came and tried to do this. He gets in the wrong pen, runs out there, and he's running, sticking our calves, trying to kill him. So I got on the four-wheeler, and I thought, well, I'm going to teach you a lesson. Because then you get to have fun and get them tired. Yeah. So anyway, I got him ti- away from the calves, and I was getting him kind of tired. Anyway, all of a sudden, uh, he was running, and he switched leads with his feet. And I was like, oh, you could just tell something wasn't good. I was like, oh, my. And then when I said, God, I hit him. And this is a 350-inch bull, 900 pounds. I flew over the foiler. He rolled over me, and then the foiler ran over me. My dad came with the 40-foot trailer hooked up to the truck, and he says, uh, are you paralyzed? And it ripped my clothes off when I, you know, I had shorts on. It ripped my clothes right off. I was just down in my <laughs> underwear, dislocated my shoulder, bruised my ribs, and, and cuts all over. And he goes, are you paralyzed? And I said, no. He goes, how do you know? And I said, because I'm walking. I think I broke my ribs, though, and I dislocated my shoulder. And he's like, how do you know you're not paralyzed? And I said, because I'm walking. So anyway, I put my shoulder back in, and he says, you got to help me unload the rest of the bulls, and then you better go to the doctor if you, if you think you're still hurt. It's like, if I think I'm hurt, my, yeah. my underwear or my shorts or my umbros are 40 yards behind me. Do you think I'm hurt? <laughs> it's <laughs> unbelievable. I've always wondered what's the purpose of elk farming. Is it just purely for the sheds, or is it for meat, or is it for, like, what's the point of it? Okay, so what we did with elk is you would cut them in June, cut their antlers off. You know, the older bulls are in June, and then younger bulls in July. You cut them off when they're still in velvet, get them right in the freezer, and then they make medicines, like they can make cancer medicines out of them, aphrodisiacs, you know, arthritis medicines, tons of different medicines with the antlers. While there's still veins running through. Yeah, and it's and they bleed and stuff. It's not pretty, you know what I mean? Right. They'll bleed for a couple minutes. But the thing is, it's a business, so you would cut it. So that paid your feed bill, you know what I mean? Some of them yeah. bulls, we had one that, you know, our bull set the world record. It was like 50-some pounds. And it, when you're getting 30 bucks a pound, that's pretty good money, you know, so you made some money on that. And it's paying your feed bill. And then all of a sudden when they get to be like, you know, a six-year-old, then you do you want to shed them out in his own pen. You know, like the the 587 set, we sold that for 10000 bucks, right? Which that isn't that good for the best one that really was ever made. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But then uh, then they you got to decide, are they going to go to a shooting ranch or something like that? Which, I mean, some of them people are the dumbest. A pen raise like yeah. our, uh, a high fence. That's insane. Sure. We right? had a bull. His name was Rocky. He scored uh, 487 or four, uh, 479. His hoof fell off because he got so sick. He was supposed to go to a shooting ranch. He was 13 years old. And that's the thing. When they get old, you got to do something with them because you don't want to watch them suffer and die. Right. Well, anyway, he, he, his hoofs fell off. So this guy wanted to shoot him. We called him and told him he died. 
And really, we kept him because we just liked him. We just said, screw it. We're yeah. keeping him. And the guy says, well, send him anyways. And we said, what? And he says, send him anyways. As long as I can tell my friends I put an arrow through that, I'll be totally fine. It's like, Yikes. did you date your sister? Holy shit. <laughs> I mean, did like. Did you date your sister? I just, I don't understand it. You know what I'm saying? Like, That's unreal. This big pride deal. Yeah. You know? There's some sick You got a little winner and some tiny nuts. <laughs> That's a wow. problem. Dude, what in the world? So you're you're doing it mainly for the the sheds in velvet elk farming. Well, the end re- probably the end is to get that you know like say you'll sell that bull for five thousand bucks. So you almost got him for free. You know what I mean? Because he you probably got fifteen hundred into him. You know, or two thousand into him, and then say you can sell him for five thousand bucks. You know, if you do enough of them, you're making some money doing that too. And you shot elk in the wild. Yep, just one. I went and hunted 15 minutes. We were calling up in Peace River, Alberta, and a bull came in, and I told the guy I wanted to shoot a great big bull, and he's like, you shoot whatever comes. Well, then, of course, one comes in, and he's like, shoot it. So I shot it. Did you notice a difference in taste? Yeah, they taste way better. Farm-raised elk are terrible. Really? Yeah. Because what are you feeding them? They're eating corn and oats. Corn and oats and pellets and all that, but they... To me, they tasted like the pasture smells. You know what I mean? Like, I think yeah. in the wild, they're just mm. never on the same area. Like Pablo's shit. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. he, he, he smells rank. Do you know that Pablo's trying to promote Peepto-Bismo? Because if you're pooping <laughs> like a goose, I'm going to do my own ad right now. If you're pooping like a goose, you try Peepto-Bismo. It's unbelievable. Holy Unreal. shit. Dude, that's hilarious. I just... I never knew that there was so many medicinal qualities in the antlers, and it's and it has to be in velvet, otherwise it's dead, right? Yeah, I mean, the, like they can do some. They make powders out of the hard antler, but it's. Well, I know pretty. that a lot of people make knives, and they make like you Dog. can do all sorts of artsy shit. But I know um, a bunch of friends that are waterfowl guides that go out, go out west, and they collect sheds, and they they make a decent amount of money yep. hiking in the spring collecting sheds they'll make 10 to 20 grand yep, in a spring they, and i'm like huh <clears throat> so if that's your goal why not just breed elk yourself and take the the sheds oh okay so if you here's the thing you have to have that bull in his own pen and not have another bull in the next fence they will tear the fence to the ground right. and kill each other super and then territorial they, and then and if you put two in there they bust their, their antlers you know what i mean it's it and then the thing is once you, you think you've got it all figured out, you know, you put your this big bull now. You're going to get 5000 bucks for his antlers or whatever and have him in his own pasture. And then there's pastures between him and another one. They drag their antlers on the frozen ground in the winter and bust them that way, too. It's like, God, you can't win. And see, elk antlers, they're hollow inside. Oh. They're like a sponge inside. Like, whitetails are more solid. But yeah. elk, that's why elk antlers, if they really were solid, they'd weigh so much they wouldn't be able to hold them up. Interesting. I didn't know they're crazy. They're hollow. Oh, here's a funny story. We're going down 35W. We hauled lots of elk all over the country. Okay? This is this is bad. Yep. So bad deal. my dad, my dad has a temper, you know, and it's so nerve wracking to pull a 40 foot trailer with all those elk on that trailer because then bulls are trying to kill each other through the wooden doors. And they just, you know, it, the whole truck's moving the trailer. They're moving. that territorial. Oh, they're insane. Oh, I'll tell you another story. Uh, uh, After the 35W. Yeah. So this guy's blinking his lights. It's four in the morning, and my dad has a temper, 
And the guy's blinking his lights. He pulls up alongside us. My dad says, what do you think? You're a fucking cop. And the guy says, you lost an elk off your trailer. We're like, oh, my God. We're sorry. That, that's where you <laughs> That is not good. No. 75 miles an hour on 35W. Oh. So anyway, then we, um, we, we uh, called the state patrol and, you know, or the state patrol called us and told us that the elk was on, it was south of Oatana um, at the Hope exit. So anyway, I got a tranquilizer gun and was chasing it, and it was state hunting. I mean, it, yeah, it was state hunting land, and it was the muzzleloader season, and I had full camo on because I didn't plan on chasing an elk that day. So anyway, I, people were screaming at me, where's your orange, you idiot? And I said, I'm after the elk. And he's like, he's huge. He went that way. My friend is laying on the state patrol's cop car between the lights with a 300 Magnum, and they said, if he comes towards the freeway, you got to kill it. And it ran towards the freeway, and he had to kill it. So it was so sad. But he, anyway, all he did was broke off uh, one inch of one of his tines, and he scunned his leg up 75 miles an hour. What do you think that would kill him? They're well, that they're, that would they're, kill 90% of people. Yep. For they're, sure. They're that tough, though, that it didn't even hardly bother. Wow. That's yeah, crazy. That's ridiculous, dude. You I had mean, another story you were going to tell us, by the way. I can't even. State, state patrol? What? I'm, they're like, what the fuck are you doing? Oh, no, they were totally on our side. Another time a tree fell on the fence. This isn't even the story, but one time a tree fell on the fence. We had 52 elk loose. They were six miles away. They closed down Highway 60 in Faribault because of us, and that was on the front page of the newspaper. That's such a bad feeling. You get fined for that? No, they were just really nice to us. They had airplanes and stuff, and the, I was swearing at police and telling them, you got to get me a four-wheeler up. You know, like, I'd chase them, and then they go into standing cornfield. And then I tell him, get my four-wheeler up to the next spot. And, oh, my God, I was ready to have a heart attack, but brought him home six miles. You ever miles. see uh, Rambo's First Blood? Yep. I, I can picture you being like the cop, being like, no, 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 Rambo's up there. Bring the, bring the, bring the helicopter. Bring the chopper. Yeah, yeah, bring the chopper. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. That's, That's ridiculous, dude. I mean, you've lived a full life. I, yeah. You got, a, you got a life full of nonsense, honestly. Yeah. Then funny you say that because I'm gonna write a book about my life and it's called Tell Us More Ron because I'm basically a moron. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> but and people don't even believe that it could be real. You know. Anyway, when we were, I shot a huge, huge Kodiak bear when we were in, on Kodiak Island. He was number two on Kodiak Island for 2002. Dream come true. Well, anyway, we were hiking and I got sweaty, so I hung up my long underwear because we're gonna take a nap. Naturally. The next thing I know, I thought it was a dream. The Coast Guard helicopter is right above us, and the, they're trying to figure out what the emergency is. And the guy's like, who put this up? And I'm like, what? He goes, that means emergency, you idiot. So they're all screaming at me, and I scared every bear away for about 10 miles because oh of the helicopter. God. He's just hovering. And then you see people with guns, and we're like, no, we don't need you. Go away. And they think someone's held hostage or something weird. So. That's the sign is to hang your long underwear. I guess so. I sure didn't know Was that. Was that some Jeremiah Johnson shit? <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> anyway, one time when we were out there hunting, the game warden flew in in his airplane, and he's checking us for license. Like, who's out in there hunting with no license for Kodiak bears? You know. But anyway, it's so funny. He comes in, and he's like, maybe you could help me a little bit. And we had to help push his float plane out into the ocean. Well, anyway, he turned his prop on, and he turned like this. He busted both of our oars off, and I'm like, I bet you hurt your wings. We'll find out when you, you Damn. know, good luck. <laughs> Damn. Damn. That's crazy as hell. How did just, he, it, like, he was just too close to you when he started the prop or what? Well, he, the prop didn't hit, but when he turned, the, the wings hit and busted off both of our oars. And that, like, you, anyway, 
the thing is, Kodiak Island is so unforgiving, like the duck hunting, it, it, that, 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 or the bear hunting. You, they'll drop you off on a rock, and you sit there and shoot eiders, and it's the dream come true. It's so much fun. And then the next thing you know, they come to pick you up, and no, I'm not getting in. And he's like, you get in. And then a half hour later, he shows, and he goes, your rock's 20 feet underwater right now. So if your guide is late to pick you up, the ocean tide, it's the biggest tidal change in the world on that island. Yeah, oh, so we got a we got a friend who guides in Maine, and the uh, the tides a fourteen foot difference oh, over there, yeah. and he's like, he's like intense about it. He's just like very on the ball, you know. Yeah, that, that. And he's the guy where like if he says something, it's like I'm gonna listen no matter what. If he says take off your clothes and do fifteen jumping jacks, I'm just gonna do it because there's probably a reason. There's a reason. Like there's always yeah. a reason. <laughs> yeah, and he's told me so many stories about Maine, and like the tidal change is just wild he showed me pictures he goes here's what it looks like at 8 a.m here's what it looks like at noon and there's no rock it's like well and it's just huge rock out of the water and then four hours later it's gone it's like damn like you have to have a master captain's license in order to guide and or to even operate a boat out there and so one time we saw a nice bear and then you go to the boat and the boat's 100 yards up, up on the sand because the water went away and he's like oh my god i forgot about that so you'd have to you know, if you're in a bay, sometimes you got to put the boat out 200 yards out there, and then he's got to paddle a little inflatable raft to shore because he got to anchor because of such a tidal change. Well, then that day he screwed up, and it's like, oh, that cost us a bear. But then, thank God, we got a way better bear because of it. You know, because I wanted to talk about how you invited us out to film a video and flying with the geese on the four wheeler. Oh yeah, I mean for sure. For, yeah, we'll do that. Like, like seriously, I would lose my mind. Well, it's yeah. That'd be the coolest thing ever. Well, here's one thing. Like, so you see how excited you are. I I, I can tell you, it's I've got to shoot so many geese, all that kind of stuff, and it's more fun to do this. And you cannot imagine how many people like wackos on TikTok. (laughs) I dressed up like Santa Claus, or I dressed up like a goose. Pablo's riding on my shoulder, and there's people. I'd blow him out of the sky. Is he banded? It's like, what does it matter if he's banded? For God's sake, he's riding on my shoulder. That's wouldn't, wouldn't that be more? of a question like how did you teach him to ride on your shoulder right and the thing is why would you want to kill him like if you need a band so bad i got 500 of them at home that say ron hendrickson and my address and stuff because we used to ban them until we got in trouble one time on my birthday <laughs> here comes the game warden to my house i was sleeping and he goes hi how's it going i said good and he's like people said you were uh jumping in the air and grabbing geese right out of the air and then taking the bands off their legs <laughs> and i said does that sound humanly possible? He goes, I, I don't know how you could do it. Like, no. And I said, I guess not then. And he goes, the thing is, if it was just one or two, he said, I, w- I would think they were making it up, but they said they watched seven of them. <laughs> and I said, well, they had fishing line around their legs, so I did that. you know. But I wrote down the band numbers and then let them go. Well, yeah. anyway, he goes, you look familiar. I remember you came to my fish house before I was at Game Warren and you said, I need crappies for my pond. He goes, that's illegal too. I was like, oh God. (laughs) Well, anyway, so then uh, he he said, can you please just try, just, just behave? And I said, okay. So then it's my birthday. We went down to, my friend from Saskatchewan was there. So we went down to the pond. We caught 300 crappies and one walleye. And I had, for my birthday. too many. What we, we were letting them all go because it's my pond. Sure. So anyway, we had a backhoe on the island digging. For my birthday, I was going to spend a couple thousand bucks making my pond deeper. Yeah. So the guy is on 
in the back on the island making it deeper. My dad called and he said, you having fun? I said, oh, my God, we caught 300 crappies, walleye. It's unreal. Best birthday I ever had. And I go, oh, shit. And then I hung up. So he's like, oh, he must have a big fish. Oh, no. The backhoe fell through the ice and he sunk. Yep. So oh that cost, my tw- gosh. thank God the insurance covered it, $12,500. Took three days to get the backhoe up. They were using chains that were $2,000 a piece, as big as your thighs, and they would snap and fly through the air and almost, oh, my God, almost cut you in half. Anyway, so then they sent me in there, and I had to feel to try see where you hook the chain to. I had nerve damage in both my arms from being in the water for so long. But they're like, I don't care. That's a $400,000 machine. Get, find something to hook to. So, Good but, God, oh, so man. My, so my dad calls me, and he says, how big was the fish? And I'm like, what fish? And I, he says, well, you said, oh, shit, I got to go. And, and I said, oh, well, the, the backhoe fell through the ice. And he's like, what? <laughs> yeah, they, it's, it's still in the water. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. This is what I wanted to talk let's, to you about. Let's do it on 10 Minute Tuesday. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Well, Ron, we just can't tell you how much we've appreciated you coming on. It's been an absolute blast. Wild. And Blown away. Thank you. for Pablo the- is unbelievable. We cannot wait to come and ride ATVs and hang out with the geese. Be sure to watch out for that YouTube video because I'm going to be like a kid in a candy store in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> what? Yep. And, 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 uh, and we'll have, uh, it'll be Pablo. It all depends on what time of year, you know, who molted and who didn't molt. But we should have Pablo and then Frosty, our Ross Goose, Indy. Our barnacle goose, and then Lucy the goosey, our full-size Canada goose. Unbelievable. Where can people watch your stuff at? Where do you want them to follow you? Uh, they can look at Peeps the Goose on Facebook or at Tell Us More Ron on TikTok. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then here's something that uh, we're going to try to get um, lesser white front geese. They're miniature speckle bellies. They come from Norway, yeah. and they'll be the size of Pablo, so that's... Hopefully, I, that's what I'm going to try to do is get two of them and train them. Yeah. And then... Uh, we'll have to come and see them, too. Yeah. Hell, yeah. Well, thanks so much for coming on. We appreciate you guys for listening. Uh, don't subscribe anywhere, as Joey always says. And yeah, Don't um, watch our stuff. Right. Don't thanks. watch our stuff. Don't subscribe. But one more thing, Ron. 